Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Are you awake? This is where your companion told me to stop last night. Actually, most of what you said was incoherent. I did, however, distinctly hear the word... Kimmy! I got one name! Kimmy! Uh, yeah, I think she's awake. We'll check in in just a second. Welcome to this episode, number 1,152 of the Riley and Kimmy Show. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. I am the villain of the story. That's true, and the hero of this story is right next to me. Hello, Kimmy. I am awake. You are awake? That's good. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. I I didn't know because we are recording this at a very early hour, pre-sunrise, very late upon some people's point of view, but it is is morning Mm -hmm. that we are recording this during the hour of the ghoul, for those who know that kind of stuff. That's when we're doing this. Welcome to this episode. It is a Wednesday, and what is Wednesday in the world of nerdum, Kimmy? Well, it's new comic book and product day. That's right, brand new stuff for comic books and comic book stores, and uh, you can find your new t-shirts and your new... Uh, Statues. New, yeah, comic books and toys and things like that. Action figures. Yeah, and if you'd like to find out a list of everything that is brand new at comic book stores across the country, check out our website right at the Nerd News section. We have that uh, new list available, what's new right in stores. And also you can find a comic book shop locator right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Find a comic book shop near you and enjoy the world of comics today. And be sure to spread that with some friends. Help... Uh, the comic book world stay alive, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Now, Kimmy, I have a question for you on this Wednesday, a way back Wednesday. How would you like to play nerd and pop culture geek trivia? Of course. And here we go to the almanac for this Wednesday, February 15th. Be asking Kimmy some questions. The timeline has been jumbled up. That's right. It's not in chronological order. We have some potholes in the timeline. Now feel free to shout out answers to Kimmy. Give her, give her some help. You, you future listeners, that's right. There is a time travel trivia vortex that's open that's helping Kimmy. It does work from time to time, so feel free to yell at your smartphone, your laptop, your tablet, your desktop, whatever computer device you are listening to the Riley and Kimmy show on. Because we are mobile and we are global. You can hear us anywhere on planet Earth. And that is so true. We have listeners all over the place. Right, Kimmy? That is right. And remember, tell your friends that you listen to a nerd variety talk show that offers daily talk and offers pop culture escapism. Here we go with our very first question for Kimmy. Kimmy, we are moving into the world of animation, the world of movies. It was on this date. Kimmy, give me the year. Walt Disney's Cinderella is released to theaters. Was it 1930, 1940, 1950, or 1960? 1950. You got it exactly right. It was on this date in history, Kimmy. The Boy Scouts of America are founded. The B. S.A. is founded in America on this date in history. Was it 1910, 1920, 1930, or 1940? 1910. Got it right. Two in a row there. Woo. What's going on? Are you getting shouts from the timeline? It must or, be. Or, or are you doing this on your own? Completely on your own? I don't know. All right. It was on this date, Kimmy. Within 10 years, when was the first teddy bear introduced to America and in ways tied to somebody famous. Within 10 years, the first teddy bear is introduced in America. Can you tell me what year? 1910. Uh, That's within the 10. It was 1903 that this happened. Teddies were not in America before then, not teddy bears Tell me the name, or tell me why Teddy Bear 1903 is significant. Teddy Roosevelt. That's right. 
Teddy Bear introduced in America, 1903. Did you have a teddy bear or was that the, uh, the Snoopy your teddy bear? Well, Snoopy was my first. Okay, but you did have a teddy bear. Quote, unquote, teddy bear. But yeah, I did get a teddy bear. So you were sort of like... One of those pot-bellied bears. Remember so, those pot-bellied bears? No. No. Well, no. What's a um, pot-bellied bear? That was a little bit older when I got that. But um, yeah, it's a pot-bellied bear. It's a, it's a stuffed bear. They had different types of bears. Um, they had regular bears. They had panda bears. They had a couple other kinds, I think. But yeah. So this wasn't like a Thurston Howell the Third bear, or a Radar no. O'Reilly bear. No. Oh, okay. It was a little bit bigger with a big pot belly. <laughs> Okay. I still have it. You have the pot belly bear. Mm-hmm. All right. 1758, Kimmy, is when the first mustard manufactured in America is advertised. We didn't ask you that one. 1758. Mm. Do you ever use that stuff? No. Okay. So on this date, 1764, we find out mustard's actually older than the city of St. Louis. City of St. Louis is established in 1764. It's on its date, 1842. Adhesive postage stamps go on sale for the very first time. That's 1842. It's on this date, Kimmy, 1932. George Burns and his partner debut as regulars on the Guy Lombardo show on CBS Radio. Tell me the name of his partner. Gracie Allen. That's correct. It was 1933. Here in Florida, something happens. United States President-elect Franklin Roosevelt escapes an assassination attempt in Miami. Chicago Mayor Anton Cermak, who is with him, dies of his wounds on March 6, 1933. It was on this date in 1961 the Marcells released this big hit. Kimmy, that's the Marcells, 1961. What's the name of the song? Blue Moon. Yeah, that's right. Blue Moon, 1961. It was 1962. CBS TV bought the exclusive rights to college football games from the NCAA for a figure of $10,200,000. That's 1962. It was in 1963. Ken Lynch records the song Misery. Can you tell me who would have that as a hit a little bit later? That's Misery. I don't know. It's the first Lennon-McCartney song to be sung by someone else. And it's not a cover. It's their song originally by them that they wrote that was recorded before them in 1963 that they would eventually have on album. I have no idea. Well, moving on to this, 1964, Sam Cooke announces that he was cutting back on live performances to concentrate on songwriting and building his record labels. It was 1965, Nat King Cole dies of complications following surgery for lung cancer. He dies at the age of 48. It was on this date, Kimmy. Tell me who the recording artists are. It was on this date, 1965. They released the single Eight Days a Week. The Beatles. Yes, that's correct. It was on this date, Kimmy, 1965, Canada displayed its new red and white maple leaf flag. That's when it made its debut, 1965. It was on this date, this band is formed. Give me the year within five that they are formed. And tell me who it is. One hint here. The audio clue is not from the time frame when they came to be. Tell me the year they came to be and tell me who it is. Tell me the name of the band. Chicago. That's correct. And tell me the year they came to be. 1969. You got it within the five. It was 1967 that the band Chicago came to be originally called what? Can you give me the full name? Chicago Transit Authority. (laughs) You're good, Kimmy. You got it. You got it 100% right. You got them all. Now, moving over to something else in the Almanac. It was on this date in 1969. A Florida woman was arrested for impersonating Aretha Franklin during a concert at a club. Hmm. I wonder how long it took for them to catch on. Was Mm. it like right away? Did she Mm. finish the whole set? That was in 1969. It was on this date in 1975. He became the first white artist to perform on Soul Train. The year is 1975. Kimmy, this person 
a soft hit artist in the contemporary scene would have hits going into the 80s, the early 80s, and then fade away. Any clue who it would be, just with that? No. You need an audio clue, mm-hmm. correct? All right, here's your audio clue. One of this individual's hits. They are the first white artist to perform on Soul Train in 1975. Tell me who this is. Kimmy, you're telling me that is not on one of your compilation discs, one of your KTEL records from way back when. Mm-mm. You don't know who that is. Uh, you will when I say the name. That's Gino Vanelli. You remember Gino Vanelli? Mm-hmm. And that was one of his hits right there. Moving over to the Almanac, another section, Notorious section. It was on this date, 1978. Escaped serial killer Ted Bundy is recaptured. They capture him in Pensacola, Florida. He had escaped from a jail in Colorado New Year's Eve in 1977. So he was running amok for a little bit of time. That's scary. It was, and they caught him in in Florida. It was on his date in 1985. The Center for Disease Control, CDC, reported that more than half of all nine-year-olds in the U.S. showed no signs of tooth decay. That's in 1985. What do you think would be now? Oh. (laughs) Do you think it would be different, Kibby? Uh-huh. you think... Half would show signs of tooth decay. Mm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, if half didn't, half would. Uh, you see, yeah, I got you. Uh, okay. It was on this date, Kimmy, that the 100th episode of Cops airs on Fox Television. Give me the year this happens within five. When it first came on? The 100th episode, number 100. 2000. 1992 that that happened. You missed it, and but you were close. It was on his date in 1992. Jeffrey Dahmer found sane and guilty of killing 15 boys. 2001, the first draft of the complete human genome is published in the journal Nature. It was on this date in 2002. The movie Crossroads, starring what pop star, opens in theaters, Kimmy? Britney Spears. How on earth did you know that? I, how did you know that? Uh-huh. How did you know she even did a movie? Somebody yelled it out. How did you know that? Really? You, I'm you so, know who you are. I mean, I could, Crossroads. How did you know Crossroads? I don't know. You Did you see Crossroads and I didn't no. know about it? You did. No. Do, do you have that in a DVD collection or something? Nope. I bet you do, Kimmy. I, I have a feeling Kimmy does have that in a DVD collection. Moving over to notable and celebrity birthdays for this date. And here we go. Galileo, born on this date, 1564. Tell me something he's known for, Kimmy. What was his occupation, basically? Astronomer. That's right. Italian astronomer, physicist, engineer. Many call him the father of science. Cyrus McCormick, born on this date, 1809. Inventor, International Harvester Company. And he created them in 1902. But he did so much work in farm equipment that he changed the face of America Moving over to someone else from the birthday section. Tell me who this person is, Kimmy. She was an American social reformer and women's rights activist. She had a dollar in her name at one time. I don't know if it's still in circulation. And then in 2016, they were talking about putting her on the $10 bill, taking off Alexander Hamilton and putting her image on the 10, but they changed their mind. Who is this birthday person? Susan B. Anthony. That's correct. Born 1820. See if you can identify who this individual is, born on this date in history. Here is your audio clue. Hello, kiddies. Meet the Joker. Who is that? He played on Batman, Kimmy. Oh, um, Cesar Romero. That's right. Cesar Romero, born on this date in 1907, died at the age of 86 in 1994. He was part of film, radio, and television for almost 60 years. For his role as the Joker in the 1966 Batman television series, he was included in the TV Guide 2013 list of the 60 nastiest villains of all time. This person born on this date, I have a feeling you know the image, you know the face, you know things he's done, but I don't think you can tell me the name of the actor 
He had performed in over 200 television and film performances, best well, best remembered for portraying the male lead in a horror science fiction film from 1956. Two-part question, Kimmy. Identify the movie he is identified with forever from 1956. And if you can tell me, tell me his name. Here's your audio clue. I've been afraid a lot of times in my life. But I didn't know the real meaning of fear until... Until I had kissed Becky. A moment's sleep and the girl I loved was an inhuman enemy bent on my destruction. That moment's sleep was death to Becky's soul, just as it had been for Jack and Teddy and Dan Kaufman and all the rest. Their bodies were now hosts, harboring an alien form of life, a cosmic form, which to survive must take over every human man. Jimmy, can you tell me the name of the movie from 1956? Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That is correct. Now, what is the name of the actor? Who who, who performed it, Kimmy? Can you do it? I don't know. One of my good friends in broadcasting has the same name. Can you do it? He was named after him. Can't do it? Mm-mm. All right. The answer is Kevin McCarthy was born on this date. In 1914, died at the age of 96 in 2010. Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the original. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, I love Classic. that. One creepy movie. Yes. Think about it. It was made in 56. Mm-hmm. And it still holds up to this day. I love it. And especially that very end scene. You fools! You're in danger! Can't you see? They're after you! They're after all of us! Our wives, our children, everyone! Filmed in Pasadena, California. A very good friend of mine, uh, a mentor of mine. Uh, he w- He's in one of the crowd scenes. There is a real mm-hmm. little kid. I there. haven't seen that in so long. Do yeah. we have that? I want to uh, see it. I'm not sure if we have that on DVD or not. If we don't, we should. And mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites of all time. It is still very creepy. and I like it better than I think it was the late 70s version that was done with uh, London Nimoy that they, they did a reboot. And, uh, Donald, 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 Donald Sutherland. Yeah, yeah that... Mm-hmm. That one, I just it's good, but this one, that, mm-hmm. that's the iconic one. This individual, born on this date in history, 1927, died at the age of 81 in 2008. Now, he is best remembered for his performances on the TV series The Carol Burnett Show. He played opposite Tim Conway. Tim Conway used to make him laugh, break character, and he also starred in several of Mel Brooks's films. Can you tell me who he is? Harvey Corman. I thought we'd throw you. you. You got that. I take it you watched The Carol Burnett Show. Mm-hmm. Did you tug your ear? No. Identify this mystery birthday person, an actress, best known for her performances in the James Bond film Live and Let Die from 1973. She also starred in Somewhere in Time, co-starring Christopher Reeve in 1980. And she was, well, she's really known for her television series, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman from 1993 to 1998. Who is it, Kimmy? Jane Seymour. Wow. And how old is Jane Seymour today within five? Uh, 65. You you got it there. She is 66 today. See if you can identify this next person. A American singer, songwriter, and actress, but known for the singing and songwriting. Well, I don't know. Still known today. You know her material from way back when, but you might have forgotten See if you can tell me who this birthday person is. Here is one of her big hits, Kimmy. Is that Melissa Manchester? No, is that your answer, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Or is that a question? Is that your answer? Yes. It, it, it's Melissa Manchester. That's what you're saying? Mm-hmm. You are correct. Give me how old is Melissa Manchester today within five? Uh, 67. You got it. She's 66. And that song, you should hear how she talks about you. Was it a number one hit or not? No, not quite. You're right. It peaked at number five. Did you have that one? Mm-mm. Not on anything. 
Not mm-hmm. a compilation tape or mm-hmm. you know, nothing. Mm-hmm. But you did know it. Mm-hmm. All right. This person, I'll give you the name. You tell me the thing he is really famous for. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The birthday person is Matt Groening, American cartoonist, writer, producer, animator, and voice actor. He created the comic strip Life in Hell in 1977, ran to 2012, and two TV series. Name one of the animated TV series he is known for as creator. The Simpsons? That's correct. Simpsons from 1989 to now. And... Bonus points. Can you do the second one? Um, Futurama. She got it. 1999 to 2003 and 2008 to 2013. You did it. Congratulations. Matt Groening, his birthday today. He is 63. Chris Farley, born on this date, 1964, part of Saturday Night Live from 1990 and up to 1995. Give me the year he passed away within five, Kimmy. Of a drug overdose. 2000. Passed away. 1997. You got it within the five at the age of 33. Moving over to another section of trivia. I see dead people. It is notable deaths. This is quite easy for you, Kimmy, with this audio clue we have. I will give you the year they passed. 1973. An American actor appeared in U.S. television in a series from 1952 to 1955 called Mr. Peepers, but... He's really known for his voiceover work. Here is your audio clue. Please tell me who the mystery person is who died on this date. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. Wally Cox. That's right. Wally Cox played Underdog. Mm-hmm. And that ran from 124 episodes. There's 124 original episodes of Underdog. I love Wonder. I love Underdog. You love Underdog. I love Underdog. Underdog. 1964 is when Underdog debuted. Now, since you love Underdog, give me Underdog's secret identity. Shoeshine Boy. Yeah. Name of his girlfriend? Polly Sweetbread. Wrong. You're close. A little dyslexic there on me. Sweet Polly Purebred. Oh. Okay. And... Simon Barson. You didn't know what I was going to say. I was going to say, give me name of one of the villains. Simon Barsenature. Care to sniff my flower? Simon says, sniff. Yes, and what was his sidekick? Cad. All right, now there's another main villain. There was others in there, like Slippery Eel and things like that. But there was one who appeared like in the opening credits and stuff like that. It scared you. Oh, it scared me as a child. I'd wanted to run and hide. I mean, I, I didn't even realize what he was Till years later. I just thought he looked demented. Can you tell me who that gangster was? Riff Raff. Yeah, gri- <laughs> Riff Raff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, he kind of scared me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of the, the set there. I think you watched a little bit too much uh, Underdog, Kimmy. I like Underdog. Well, so do I. I like, but you didn't see the movie live action whatever no i didn't no 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 no. i don't think we're we're gonna see that one no i think we'll pass on that we do have the entire underdog 100 and some episodes oh yes i have them all yes oh boy i tried to watch them one time with you cool you 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 wouldn't watch them maybe we will okay on two (laughs) moving back to the almanac 2002 saw the passing of howard k smith he died at the age of 87 in 1969 the veteran reporter became co-anchor of what network, Kimmy, for a number of years till 1975 with Harry Reasoner. Eventually, Harry Reasoner would be teamed up with Barbara Walters. Harry Reasoner. Harry Reasoner would be teamed up with Barbara Walters. What network was Howard K. Smith on? ABC. That's correct. He was the anchor. ABC. Passed away 2002. That wraps up the Almanac. Kimmy, I think you did a great job with it today, and we're going to honor something from today's trivia. Radio show loves the golden age of radio anytime we have an opportunity to go back in time to the theater of the mind we take that opportunity and since kevin mccarthy was born on this date in 1914 i thought we'd honor him and focus on him he did a lot of golden age of radio work we have two examples right now from the golden age of radio first one's titled after the movies from 1959 followed by dead man's story in 1960 These are thriller-type episodes from the show called Suspense. Here we go back in time. The first one, After the Movies. From 1959, here's Kevin McCarthy on The Riley and Kimmy Show. 
A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. I thought she was dialing. I didn't care much for him, though. I didn't think she was too hot, either. What's the difference, anyway? It's the first movie I've seen since the trial started. How about some ice cream? We've got those little cakes at home. Some ice cream might go nice to them. I don't know if I can go home. The jury thing. Well, you stay for a couple of days. Isn't that what they told you? Well, it's not going to do you any harm to sleep home tonight. Yeah, suppose not. What kind do you want? What? Ice cream. Chocolate. Well, well, hello there. How are you this evening, folks? Good evening. Hi. Uh, what can I do for you? Oh, about a quart of ice cream, chocolate. Oh, I... Say, uh, tell me, how's the trial going? You're on the jury, aren't you? Yeah, but I'm not supposed to talk about it. Oh, yeah, I should know better than to ask. I'll bet we have five to seven jurors a day come in here from the hotel across the street. Is that right? Yeah, you think you've been on this trial a long time? <laughs> Some people stay on for months. Well, I'll tell you what I think about this Harmon fellow. I'm not supposed to let anybody talk to me about it either. Oh, yeah, yeah, say that's right. Uh, forget about that. <clears throat> well, that'll be uh, 89 cents. Yeah, I, yeah, I got it, Ant. What'd I do with my wallet? Oh. Yeah. Mm, thank you. Out of one. Ninety. One dollar. And thank you. Thank you. Uh, I hope now that you know us, you'll trade here sometimes, even after the trial is over. My name is Iverson. Well, I'm Mr. Bennick. It's my wife, Anne. Uh, how do you do? Happy to know you. How do you do? Uh, hope you'll be through with the thing real soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. Good night. Oh? Yeah. Look what I found. What? An envelope on the floor. Right here. Somebody dropped something here? It's open, too. Uh, I wonder if we should, you know, to find the owner? Hey. Hey, Dale. Money, bills. Here, let me see. How much is it, Al? Al? How much, Al? $10,000. $10,000? Well, who dropped $10,000 on the floor of a drugstore? $10,000? You mean the envelope was just laying down on the floor? Oh, I almost stepped on it, and then I picked it up. I thought there was something in it. Al, what did we do? Well, gee, I... Thing like this, I, I don't know what to say. Well, if I was you, I, I would keep it. That's what I would do. And since it was in my store... No, we couldn't do that. Oh, I could. It ain't stealing. You found it. It was my store. You found it in. Oh, we better turn it in. Uh, if there's a reward, we'll get together on it, won't we, huh? Oh, oh look, there's some kind of note in it. A note? In the money. This is your first house as a breeding and no signature. It doesn't make much sense to me. Me neither. Uh, say, uh, where are you going with, with, with that money? Oh, if anyone comes looking for it, we live on 5th Street, 229. Yeah, there's a reward. We'll see you get your share, Mr. Adelson. Come on, Anne. Don't worry, Mr. Adelson. Don't worry. $10,000 is a lot of money. $10,000 is a lot of money. An awful lot of money. Anne was still trying to figure it out when we got home. One thing I'd always said about Anne, she had a good mind. And now she remembered the note, and she took off from there. But, Al, it must mean something. It was written to somebody. It must mean something to them. After all, $10,000. Let's get on with the ice cream. Well, all right. But what I Look, think... Annie, if nobody claims it by tomorrow, we put an ad in the paper or something. It's not our worry. Chocolate. But we could keep it, couldn't we? Mm. I mean, the law says find a keeper. If nobody can prove it's theirs, we can keep it, can't we? Isn't there a law? Well, I guess as far as the law is concerned, we could keep it. Uh, of course, we'd have to get part of it to Mr. Addison. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I don't know, Al. That money belongs to somebody. All right. If they claim it, all right. And if they don't, well, all right. Why worry about it? It belongs to whoever that note was written to. Uh-huh. Listen. This is the first house as agreed in the E.H. business. But if they are not hung up when the time comes, don't expect to get the rest or stay healthy very long. No signature. No signature. Ow! That last part about staying healthy. Hmm? That's a threat. That's what it is. Threat? Well, yeah, yeah. It the could man be. is giving the money and threatening the man is getting it. If, if he doesn't... Doesn't what? 
Oh, Al, don't be so tense. Help me a little. Doesn't Bill let their pain into? Why, it's a bride. A bride, yeah, that's right, Annie. You could be right at that. Well, now we're getting somewhere. All right, a bride. And it has something to do with something being hung up. Look, if they're not hung up when the time comes, it says. What could be hung up that's so important to bribe somebody in jury to... To what? Oh, those initials, the H. Edward Harmon. The name of the man that's on trial. The jury that you're on. Oh, no, Jeanne, I, I don't think so. They all seem like such nice, decent people. Listen, listen. This is your first half, the $10,000, as agreed in the E.H., that is, the Edward Harmon business. But if they're not hung up, the jury, don't expect to stay healthy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it does make some sense, huh? Well, we've got to call the police. Police? Yes, we've got to report it right away. Well, maybe I should, uh... I could give it to the district attorney in the morning. Oh, no, don't you see, Al? You're on that jury. Yeah, I know, but... If we delay telling them for even an hour, they may think that you've got something to hide. No, I think I'd better wait until morning. If you don't phone them, I will. Right away. Now. All right. All right, I hope you're right. Them now, Al. I'll go. I must say, they took their time about it. Well, good evening, gentlemen. Come in. Thanks. You're Mr. Benning, Albert H. Benning. That's right. And this is my wife. How do you do? Hello. I, I sort of expected to see someone in uniform. Or oh, I should have known, I suppose. Uniform? Yes. Well, you gentlemen aren't from the police, aren't you? No. No, we're not. Oh? You expecting the police, lady? Well, yes, we were. You better not take too much time, Johnny. I think you people got something that belongs to us. Something you found in the drugstore on the corner. Oh. Uh, we lost it there. The druggist told us you had it. Well, we did find something, yes. Ten grand in five hundreds in a white envelope. Well, I guess there's all right, Ann. Oh, yes, but... But what? Well, I'm sure it's yours, but there was something else, too. Look, we better just give it to him, man. The note. I always said that was foolish. There was a note. Yes. Did you read it? Oh, we glanced through it, of course. We thought it might tell us who the money belonged to. And uh, it did, didn't it? No. Oh, no. Come on, lady. Now, wait a minute. This is a gun. <gasps> the note told you that the dough was to buy off somebody on the jury at a Harmon trial, didn't it? You talk too much, Johnny. Let's get out of here. That's a difference. Use your head. What about it, Mrs. Benny? What do you know about what was in the note? We got to know these things. We work for Mr. Harmon. We know you're on the jury, too, Mr. Benny. Well. Uh, where are you from, Mrs. Benny? I mean, uh, where do your folks live? What part of the country? Oh, Washington. Spokane, Washington. All right, Mr. Benning. You go on down to that trial tomorrow just as though nothing had happened. Anybody ask you about your wife, you tell them she's gone on a little visit to her folks in Spokane. Visit my folks? The case will go to the jury on Friday. If everything goes like it should, your wife will be back here safe and sound first thing Monday morning. Oh, good Lord. Look, you can't do a thing like this. You can't. Be reasonable, Mrs. Benning. We got her. You people know too much about this thing. Look, but we won't say anything. I promise. I swear it. Now, how can we take a chance like that? Harmon is up for murder. I better get your things together, Mrs. Benning. Go with her, Sam. We ain't got all night, though. I'll take the money, Mr. Benning, before I forget it. Hey, I hope you understand our position. What are you going to do? Obviously, the money went to the wrong party. So we've got to use another method. If everything goes like it should on that jury, your wife will be okay. But if it doesn't... Oh, you can't. You can't do that. Oh, we can. Saves us a lot of money, too. And, uh, Mr. Benning, not a word to the authorities. Your wife would make a huge corpse. After they left, I just sat there. Maybe another guy would have rushed right off, done something. But I couldn't. I had to think. It all happened so suddenly. In less than an hour, the whole thing. Picking up the money on the floor at the drugstore, and 
Then figuring out from the note that it was a bribe to someone on the jury of the Harmon trial. The jury I was on. The police never showed up. So I sneaked out of our building the back way. Took the side streets and went to the office of the chief of detectives. So he came down here. Well, what are we sitting here for? Why don't we do something? Well, we got to know what we're doing before we start doing it. Anyway, from what you tell me, I don't think she'll be in any real danger. No real danger. She's been kidnapped by gangsters. But why? That's what doesn't make any sense to me I yet. told you, the money was some kind of bribe. They thought we knew about it. Yeah, but you didn't. Well, how could we? Anne just picked the money up off the floor and... They said they'd have her back by Monday. That's what they said. You can believe them if you want to, but she's my wife. Okay, okay. Well, what do these two cookies look like? Oh, I don't know. They're average size. Dark, I think. I, I, I... No, I don't remember what they look like. Did you catch her name? I didn't ask him. You're not going to be much help for a while, are you? Okay, it's all right. Uh, by the way, my name's Dan. Oh, uh, mine's Al. You'll probably be seeing quite a lot of me in the next day or two, so we might as well get acquainted. And Al. Yeah. Take it easy. We'll find your wife. friendly made me feel a lot better, but we still weren't doing anything. First, he got out a lot of pictures, and I had to go through all those, but of course, I couldn't recognize anybody. And then he started making phone calls. That didn't make much sense to me either, except that he figured they might have a stolen car, and he was trying to check on it. Finally, he called a police car, and we drove back towards the courthouse. It was 12 o'clock, but Mr. Adelson hadn't left the store. He was anxious enough to talk, but it didn't look as though he was going to get us any place. I, I tell you, Lieutenant, it was right there on the floor. It was right there. Yeah, but when you talk to these two men... Oh, oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I talked to them, uh, the one that is, uh, and he said he lost an envelope, he thought, in, in my store. And I said, yes, he found it. Uh, and Mr. Bennick had it. So you talked to them. What did they look like? How can I know what they look like when they called me on the telephone? Okay, I guess that's all, Mr. Anderson. Uh, I, I'm sorry, Lieutenant. I wish I could help that's you. That's all right. Uh, but if there's anything else you think We'll call of... you. Say, uh, Mr. Bennick. Yeah? Did you tell him about the note? Note? Yeah, uh, the note that was in with the money. So there was a note? Sure, in with the money, was it, Mr. Bennick? What about it, Al? Well, I'm sorry, I... I guess I forgot. We drove back to Fifth Street and parked in front of my apartment. Dan didn't say a word until we got into the elevator. And then he spoke to the elevator boy, not to me. You take Mrs. Benning and a couple of men down tonight about 10.30? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Police? Yes. What did they look like? Well, I, I couldn't really tell you. They, they had their hats pulled down, sort of. Well, one, one was tall, the other was short. That's about all I noticed. And... Oh, uh, wait a minute. Yeah? Now that you speak of it, the, the short one called the tall one Johnny. Yeah, it's funny I didn't think of that. Yeah. A tall one and a short one. And the tall one's name was Johnny. Yeah, but that breaks the case wide open, huh? Yeah, I'll see you. You get a citation. We got off at my floor and I opened the apartment and we went in. He still didn't say anything. He prowled around the apartment, poking into bureaus and closets, not saying a word. Then he came out in the living room and sat down in the big armchair and just looked straight at me. All right, Al. What about the note? I'm sorry, Dan. I didn't think it was important. Yeah, and you couldn't remember that one was a tall guy and the other was a short guy. And the tall guy's name was Johnny. I was all upset. I don't even know if I heard his name. Hey. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Why didn't I think of it? Think of what? Bill Quinlan, the defense lawyer in the Harmon case. Those are his boys. I've had those guys up a dozen times. He always comes and gets them off. The Harmon trial? Yes, this Harmon is up on a murder rap. Bank robbery and a guard was killed. His lawyer is Bill Quinlan. Quinlan's bribed more juries than I've got hairs on my head, if he could ever prove it. You get a couple of hung juries and they let you off the hook. He's pulled it plenty of times. Oh, isn't that a little far-fetched? 
Like I say, Al, it's all we've got. Yeah. I'll have the boys check the jury list anyway. Where's your phone? Oh, in there. Uh, Dan. Yeah? Dan? I'm on the jury. You're what? Yeah, don't you see? Look, if I opened my mouth, they'd kill her. They told me so. So that's it. I didn't dare to tell you, Dan. I hoped you'd find her up. Why, you long-legged, thick-headed idiot. Don't you think I've been in this business long enough to know it a little better than you do? Don't you think I know how to give people protection when I have to? Do you think we go around trying to get people killed? Do you know any more you haven't told me? No. Do you know who the juror is that they're trying to bribe? No. Okay. Well, now at least we know where to start looking. Look, Dan. Yeah? You're not sore at me, are you? Me? No. What have I got to be sore about? She's your wife. We knew where to start looking, but it wasn't as easy as that. I was still on the jury, of course. They didn't dare make a move against Harmon because of Anne. The case went to the jury Friday, and there was still no word of her. And, of course, I had to vote not guilty. They understood that. But as it turned out, the vote was eight to four, so it didn't really matter with a hung jury. Harmon was scheduled for a new trial anyway. But now it was Monday. The day Anne was supposed to return. But there was no word. What if they'd found out the police knew that I was on the jury? It was nearly midnight, and Dan came to the apartment. He looked as though he hadn't slept for three days. I hadn't either. He told me to come along with him. He didn't say much until we were way down on Avenue C on the Lower East Side. Don't let it get out, fella. I think we're going to come out all right. When did you find out? About an hour ago. We trailed Herman. That's why he got bailed. Dan, don't kid me. Are you sure that she's... As sure as we can be. We know where they are. She'll be there. Yeah, that's the place. The third house down. Ellis, you and Wilson stake out the back. Farley and Edward stake front. I'm going in. All right, get going. Dan. Yeah? I want to go with you. Oh, you stay in the car. I'm going with you. Okay. Come on. Let's go. Light in the front. And they give us a little reception, Al. They wouldn't do anything to her, would they? Would they, Dan? Try the door. Uh, locked. Can we... Yeah, I got a skeleton. Right, close it behind you so the street light won't show us up. Okay. All right. Let's try here. by where she was lying with all the flowers around her. This wasn't the way it was supposed to work out. Dan was there, too. For a long time, he stood there, looking at her, my friends, and me. You called Johnny and Sam, didn't you? I called them. Yeah. You called them. And she thought you were calling the police. That's why the police never showed up. I called them. If she was so insistent that I had to call somebody, I didn't think they'd take her away. 
I thought they'd just take the money and leave. Forget the whole thing, but they took her, too. What about the money? Well, the money they paid me for the trial. The money for the trial, the $10,000. I told you, they took it. They took the money and they took her. All except $500, I kept that in my pocket. I didn't get that. That's what I... What I paid for the funeral with. Yes, I know. We had the numbers of the bills. When we picked them up later that night, they had it all except $500. And that's what brought me back to you. It's funny. I did it for her. To buy her nice things, huh? And all I bought her was her funeral. Say goodbye, Alan. You'll have to come with me. And now, another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Dead Man Story. Written for Suspense by Robert Arthur. The time, late on a foggy night. The place, a room on New York's west side near the docks where the faint hooting of foghorns comes in the window. Lying on the bed, a man listens to them and knows that beyond those walls, windows, and locked door, 10,000 men of the New York City police force are looking for him. Then comes a knock on the door, which means life or living death. I'd like to ask you a question. Have you ever been in a shipwreck and drowned at sea? No, I don't expect you to answer that. But just in case you're wondering, I can tell you it's a very interesting experience. My name, Larry King. My record, one term at Sing Sing, one term at Plattsburgh, one term at Auburn Prison. Three terms, all for acquiring sums of money that weren't legally mine. Making me a three-time loser. A very uncomfortable position to be in, especially since there was a fourth charge against me and I was hiding out, quite broke and without much hope, when she came to my rescue, as she had so often before. Mary. Mary, it's Julia. Julia, Julia, come in quickly. How'd you find me? Steve phoned me. Oh, Larry, why did you do it? <laughs> very good question. Just a bad habit, I guess. But you promised. I never was very good at keeping promises, was I? Not this time you'll be sentenced for life. Yeah, that's occurred to me, Julia. But you, you shouldn't have come here. I couldn't leave it. Leave you here to be caught. You always turn up when I need you, Julia. Why? Because I remember the good things about you, not the bad. The good things about our four years together. It's time you thought of yourself now. Your present husband, a bank executive. He wouldn't like to know that you still come to my help. I can't help it. You'll have to get out of the country. I'll raise some money, sell some of my jewels. Steve will help me find a freighter captain who will take you to South America. Will you let me do this one last thing for you, Larry? Yes, Julia. And I promise not to come back. Julia got a message to me. I slipped out and met her down by the docks. We went on board and the captain led us down a corridor. This way. Be very quiet. Yes, of course. This is the cabin. You have the money? This envelope. $2,100 bill. Mm, old bills. Good. We sail in five minutes. Here's a passport. Your name is Charles Riker now. And here's $3,000, all I could raise. You won't get into trouble about the jewelry? No. Tom will never notice it's gone. Julia. Yes, sir. Yeah, in spite of everything, I, wa I want you to know that uh, there was never anyone else for me but you. Larry. That's it, Julia. Yes. 
Of course. Goodbye, Larry. Goodbye. Goodbye, sweetheart. Half an hour later, from the porthole of my cabin, I could see the lights of Manhattan fading away. I had nothing to do but wait. The ocean rolled away behind us. The weather grew milder. And on the 17th day, we entered a Honduran port. As soon as we docked, I met the captain on deck. Are you ready to go ashore, senor? Ready as I'll ever be. You uh, have a passport? I have a passport. I am not expecting trouble. One hopes not, but... Uh... It is easy to be sure, senor. How? The customs officer is my friend. For $1,000, I can guarantee no trouble. You can, can you? And if I don't pay off, you might just tip a word to the customs officer? Well, senor, I did not say that. And maybe the money would wind up in your pocket? I smell a rat, and it's you. It is a mistake to speak to me this way. We should be friends. Friends? Listen, you're chiseler. You're not putting the squeeze on me. You see what I have in my pocket? Gone. Senor, I warn you. I'm warning you. We're walking down that gangplank together. If things go smoothly, fine. If they don't, I'll shoot. You? You would not dare? It wouldn't be any worse for me than returning to the States to face life imprisonment. In fact, the idea of shooting you rather appeals to me. <laughs> the senor makes a very funny joke. There will be no trouble. any trouble. Half an hour later, I had a tiny room in a fourth-rate hotel, hot as a baker's oven, and was stretched out on a sagging bed listening to bad mambo music and staring at the cracks, spiders, and flies in the ceiling. This was freedom, but I was already beginning to wonder if it wasn't overrated. As the weeks went by, I wondered more. The food, if anything, was better at Sing Sing. I couldn't work, you see. I couldn't leave. I couldn't do anything except save my money and see how long I could hold out. This might have gone on for a year if it hadn't been for my visitor one evening. Come in. Oh, I thought it was a houseboy. Afraid you got the wrong room, mister. I don't think so, King. I'm Lieutenant Sanders of the New York Police. Oh, you sure you got the right party? I was never more sure of anything. How'd you find me? An anonymous letter a couple of weeks ago, somebody who couldn't write English very well. Yeah, that figures. But suppose I say I'm not going back with you. I have the extradition papers. In the end, you'll have to go. How you have it, easy or hard? Well, to tell you the truth, I'm tired of this place. Have a drink. That cop Sanders wasn't a bad guy. I spent a day showing him the sights. <laughs> and we went aboard the freighter SS Port Royal loaded with bauxite ore for the trip back to the States. After a week, we put in at Caimanera, Cuba to load deck cargo. Next morning, we weighed anchor and started through the Winter Passage. It was then, with New York, the next stop, that I really began to wonder if I'd done the right thing in giving in so easily. Well, it's time to turn in. Want a nightcap? No, no, thanks. All right, put out your left hand. What for? I'm handcuffing you to the bunk. Why? Where would I go? I've been a cop long enough to know what a prisoner is thinking. We're in the Bahama Channel now, passing one island after another. It wouldn't be too tough to cut a life raft loose. <laughs> you got me all wrong. I'm playing it safe. Put out your hand. <laughs> oh, now look, Lieutenant. I... What's wrong? That's the emergency signal. Look out, Lieutenant. The bunk's Sanders, Sanders. It's my chest. See if you can... Lift the bunk off my chest. Sure, sure. Just hang on, I'll... You hear that? Means trouble. They're abandoning ship. Now, take it easy. I'll have you up from under there in a minute. No, it's no use. My legs are pinned. Ooh, ship's sinking. Deck's sinking already. I'll get help. What is it? What's wrong? The door. I can't open it. It's jammed. Well, try breaking it down. Hurry! I can't. I can't break it. It's metal. Well, try yelling. Help! Help! We're in cabin two. Help! There's no answer. Everyone's getting off the ship fast. 
Lutz. Ooh, feel us listening. We're going down fast. Must have ripped the big hole in it. Help! Get us out of here! Get us out! No use. They've all gone. Notice how quiet it is. Yes. We're below the surface. We're going down now to the bottom. Feel the pressure on your ears? We can't be going down yet. There's no water in here. We're still breathing. This end of the ship must hold an air pocket. That's the only reason we aren't dead. But we're living on borrowed time. In just a moment, we will return for the second act of... Suspense. Two hours later, we were still alive. We shouldn't have been where we were. The deck slanted at a 35-degree angle, and everything was completely silent, except for the beating of our hearts. King? Yes, Lieutenant? I don't feel so good. Every breath feels like the last. But we're still alive. While there's life, there's hope. <laughs> Some hope. Two men trapped in a cabin full of air and a sinking ship 50 feet underwater. Who's going to come by and rescue us? You never can tell. What was that? What's that? Cargo shifting. Bulkheads are giving way, maybe. Feel the ship move? We're rolling to a different angle now. What was that? The shift unjammed the cabin door. It just swung open. Using my cigarette lighter for light, I explored. Just a few feet below us was the water, black and rippling a little as the ship shifted with the movement of the cargo. Up ahead were a couple of cabins I could enter, and a heavy door that I didn't dare open lest I let the air out. I found a jug of water and an iron rod I could use as a crowbar, and I got the lieutenant from under the fallen bunks and gave him some water. It was all I could do. <sighs> Thanks, King. But I guess pretty soon you'll have a little more air for yourself. What do you mean? I'm dying, I can tell. Look, it was you who just said, while there's life, there's hope. Just whistling in the dark. Here goes the cargo again. You feel the ship shift? We're carrying bauxite off from Brazil. It slides easily. The slant. There it is again. The whole ship's vibrating. My guess is some of the hull plates near the bow have been ripped open. The ore is pouring out of the holes into the sea. Out. We're in. We're moving. We're going up. Feel that jerk? Why? What's happened? We've lost thousands of tons of ore. Ship's lighter. The trapped air is taking us up. You think we'll reach the surface? I don't know. We've got the porthole. The water seems to be getting lighter. Listen. If the ship reaches the surface, yeah. it may only stay a few seconds, then dive to the bottom. We won't have much time to get out. You mean we won't? Come on, I'm taking you up to the deck. With Sanders on my back, I pulled myself inch by inch up the steeply sloping corridor. I could feel the ship jerking and shuddering as we rose. The sound of water and air bubbling grew louder. I reached a companionway. Suddenly, the ship jerked and plunged, throwing us against the middle wall. With a tremendous splash, it came almost level in the water. We were on the surface. I dragged Lieutenant Sanders up the rest of the way and kicked open the door. Ship was still rolling. There was a breeze in my face. I was almost blinded by the sun in my eyes. Lieutenant, we made it. <laughs> Did you ever expect to see sunshine again? Make it fast. It may go under any second. Huh, huh, I'll make it fast. Here's a life raft. I have to get the lashings untied. Hurry, man! Hurry! Coming. These lashings are half untied. Somebody worked at them earlier. There. Now, now let's slide down into the water. Yeah, that does it. Now we can get off this ship, Lieutenant. Can you... Lieutenant! In 
just a moment, we will return for the concluding act of... Suspense. The lieutenant lay looking up at the sky. His eyes wide open. But he was dead. I helped myself to the money in his wallet and the passport. He wouldn't need them where he was going. Then I slid down to the life raft and began paddling away. Ten minutes later, the Port Royal slid under for good. And I was alone on a calm sea with nothing in sight but sky and air. Two days later, I drifted onto a large island. I burned the life raft and started walking. In a few miles, I found a native village. I was on the island of Great Inagua, some 100 miles northeast of Cuba. I bought passage on a fishing boat to Cuba, and two weeks later, I managed to slip into Miami. Without even thinking about it, I headed for New York by bus. When I got there, I phoned Julia. Uh, my name is Riker, Charles Riker, and I'd like to speak to Mrs. Wentworth. Mrs. Julia Wentworth, please. I'm sorry, sir, but that's impossible. But it's very important. If you'll give her my name, it'll... Haven't you seen the papers, sir? The papers? Yes, sir. Mr. and Mrs. Wentworth were in an automobile accident last night. Both are in critical condition. Julia hurt? Yes, sir. What hospital? General Hospital, sir. <laughs> Sorry, sir, but you can't go in that room. I have to see Mrs. Wentworth. I'm a personal friend. I'm sorry. No one can see her. Mrs. Wentworth is on the critical list. Please, just for a minute. It's really quite impossible. But I've got to see her. Talk to her. She's been unconscious for hours. Now, I'll have to ask you to leave. But when she regains consciousness, can I see her then? Only if you're a member of her immediate family or her attorney. Now, this way, please. As I left the hospital, I remember that once Julia had said that John Werby was the family lawyer. I had to see her, and he could arrange it. I found his office in the phone book and went there, and an hour later got to see him. You say your name is King? Lawrence King? Yes, Mr. Werby. Julia probably never mentioned me to you, but you may know that we were once married. Oh, yes, I know. In fact, I know your name very well. But I can't get over your being alive. Both you and Sanders were reported dead. Survivors saw the ship go down. And it came up again. I just soon everybody thought I was dead. Mr. Werby, I have to see Julia. I must see her. If only to let her know that I'm still alive. I'm very sorry, Mr. King. Very sorry. Both Mr. and Mrs. Wentworth are dead. No. No. He died an hour ago. She half an hour. She was dying while I was in there in the hospital. I'm afraid so. Julia dead. Can't believe it. Believe me, I sympathize fully. Mr. King. Yes? The fact that Mrs. Wentworth lived half an hour longer than her husband is very important to you. <laughs> I don't see how. Mr. Wentworth's entire estate went to Mrs. Wentworth. Almost four million dollars. Oh, what does it matter? She's dead. It matters a great deal. If Mrs. Wentworth had died first, her husband's estate would have gone to charity. Instead, it goes to her. She left a will. In that will, she leaves her estate to you. To me? Yes, almost four million dollars. Less inheritance taxes, of course. <laughs> this is rather funny. I'm afraid I don't see anything amusing. Well, aren't you forgetting that I'm dead? I went down in the Port Royal. There were witnesses... It will be a simple matter to establish the fact you're still alive. And once it's established, I'll go to prison as a four-time loser, which means a life sentence. Yes, I'd forgotten that. <laughs> I can do one of two things. I can walk out of here, disappear, and go on living as Charles Riker and let the police think I'm dead. Or I can claim the estate and become the richest man in Sing Sing. Quite a choice, isn't it? Yes, a rather difficult choice. Which will it be, Mr. King? Which will it be? That's a good question, isn't it? 
A very good question. I've been thinking about it for quite a while, and I still haven't come up with the answer. If it was you, what would your choice be? If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow The Riley and Kimmy Show. We feature old-time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old-time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about The Riley and Kimmy Show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.